All right, episode 23. Sorry for the extra couple days between episodes. Um, had some things going on this week that kind of I thought I would wait a little bit. I went to a bike show, Chicago Midwest Cabda show, the Chicago Area Bicycle Dealers Association. So mainly for people who own bike shops, uh, but there was a lot of cool stuff. I did a full day, seven hours of uh, interviews with people and found some cool gear. That's going to be my debut video coming out on YouTube in the next week because uh, there's enough there. I could probably, I'm probably going to make two or three videos out of it because, like I said, I was there seven hours and found more cross-country related mountain bike stuff than I honestly expected. I wasn't expecting much being a generic bike shows, but it wasn't wasn't too bad. Uh, lots of racing stuff this week because race season has officially started in some parts of the world and there are already race results to talk about, which is pretty cool. Uh, tons of gear stuff that I've been collecting and a couple cool videos that are definitely worth watching. So let's get going. This is Short Travel Magazine. Racing news and views. All right. First and foremost, mountain bike race season has officially began. Not really in this part of the world, but certainly in other parts of the world. The first interesting uh, race that's actually not starting till tomorrow is the, let's see if I can pronounce this right, Shimano Super Cup Masi Lanuccia. There we go. Shimano Super Cup Masi of Lanuccia. It's a C1 race, meaning pretty much one below the World Cup series, I believe. So it's important in that a lot of people show up uh, who also race World Cups. Mainly it's the best of the local. Now I'm assuming since this is like a Spanish race, I believe that's where this is, right? La Nuccia. Oh boy, I'll look like an idiot if that's not true. But anyway, um, there is, that's starting tomorrow. The women are tomorrow and the men are Sunday. There's no short track. And the reason it's a big deal to me is because Pidcock and Pauline Ferrand Prevost are both making these their first mountain bike races of the year. Now, we all know Pidcock's plan. Uh, his plan is the Olympics and the Tour de France and uh, a couple of the classics on the road. But he also needs to uh, get a little, um, you know, a little experience on the mountain bike. So I believe, last I checked, he's doing the first couple um, World Cups in Brazil in April. So I was kind of surprised to see him doing uh, this one here uh, tomorrow. So it must be a team thing because Pauline Ferrand Prevost is also doing it. She's kind of had an interesting off season. She disappeared kind of. She pulled off the social media and basically disappeared for, I don't know, it's going on almost three months now. And she just recently, I think last week or so, kind of popped back into that world and started uh, 
kind of making herself known. So it's going to be interesting to see what she's been doing all this time. She had some issues health-wise at the end of last year and didn't do any cross races at all, which was probably smart. Uh, Pidcock only did, you know, probably half a season worth. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of look. Uh, no doubt Pidcock is going to come out flying because he, he did do enough cross races where I'm sure he's in ridiculous shape. Um, so a lot of the other teams that are going to be there are kind of local Spanish teams, um, BH cycles and things like that. But there will be a few. There'll be, uh, you know, Andre Sink will be there, Maxime Marat. Uh, what one of the since Maxine Marat is going to be there, I'm assuming, pretty sure, yeah, Se Sevilla Blanc, one of our own U.S. racers who kind of has been flying under the radar. I think. I mean, you don't hear a lot about her as far as you know being one of the up and comer. I mean, yes, she did really well, but I think she's got more potential than people are giving her. I think she's going to be right up there podium potential all year long she seems to be in amazing shape and being on this big factory team on the world cup level i think can only help so she's going to be there so that's one of the reasons i want to watch it uh, the girls of ghost are going to be there and people like that even sam gaze is supposed to be there now that's kind of cool because uh, he's you know we all know how good he is when he's on so we'll see uh, of course, uh, David Valero is going to be there. That's his kind of his neck of the woods. I would not be surprised if he did pretty decent. So, um, actually, I have amateurs going to race there too. This is not a World Cup, so it's going to be cool. It's supposed to be a new course. I watched it last year. Uh, it is on YouTube for free, but it's usually got a Spanish uh, announcer, so I can't really tell what they're saying. So I generally turn that part of it off. So check that out. I won't bother telling you the times because the times don't align to ours anyway. It's usually four in the morning or something like that. But it will be on YouTube. So if you're looking for something to watch while you're on a trainer, uh, yes, people are still on trainers in February in uh, the upper part of North America. Although it was really nice today. And check that out. Now, t today, actually, I don't know if I, I mentioned this in a previous podcast about... Um, the Abu Dhabi, it's called the Hero. It's on Huda. I think I have to explain, uh, excuse my ex pronunciation. Hudairiyat Island, Abu Dhabi. This is something uh, they put together. They're trying to kind of make this a regular thing. $150,000 in prizes this weekend, which, quite frankly, I'm surprised there aren't more people uh, that we've heard of in the World Cup world at this race. There's some. Notable, uh, Peter Sagan was there today and a few other big names like that. Uh, that already happened. The short track was today. They're following kind of the World Cup formula. Uh, interesting, so you, not, you don't have to waste your time looking it up. But uh, Thomas Litcher won for the men and Rebecca Henderson won for the women. Uh, Peter Sagan was in this race. Now, being a short track, he, it said he's never raced a short track. This was his first try. Uh, I'm not saying I expected him to win. It is his first. But he has been training very hard. If you watch his Instagram and, and various other things, he definitely has been training. 
he came in 11th. Now, short track, 11th could mean literally six seconds off the lead. So I don't hold a whole bunch of weight on something like that. I mean, winning is cool, but 11th could also mean he's literally two seconds, maybe one second off. So that that's not a huge deal to me. Uh, Martina Berta did come in second. She had a heck of a great year last year. So, you know, uh, there's just enough. Luca Bredo came in second to, to Litcher. There's enough. That, that's After that, it kind of goes, I've never heard of any of the racers. So they're not all World Cup. I was kind of surprised uh, there wasn't more there. Um, my favorite, where are you now? From an earlier episode, Elizabeth Brandau from Germany uh, was there. She finished in 10th on the short track, which is not horrible. Um, I saw her in the cross races all winter, and I wondered if she obviously wasn't training to come back to the mountain bike world. So I'm kind of curious how to that's going to play out. Uh, I don't expect her to show up at the World Cup and start winning necessarily, but um, I hope she does well. It's kind of cool. She's got three kids and you know, a full family life. So she's trying to fit all the training in and travel. That's kind of cool. Uh, what else? Let's move on for that. Let's talk about some of the American race schedules that were released. Um, let's talk about the marathon, which I still think deserves more attention. Now, of course, uh, nobody really cares about that like they used to i mean marathon you know 100 miles roughly uh there's only three races this year which is kind of weird now the world cup marathon schedule is only three races czech republic france and lake placid is the final which is really cool uh to have that the same weekend as the regular xco world cup so that's kind of cool but the uh, world championships this is kind of odd. A week, or no, I guess it's not odd. It's a week previous to the World Cup as the World Championships for the marathon is in snowshoe. Seems like they couldn't have, could have figured out a way to get that. I don't know. I guess the point is that people come here and then they don't have to leave for a week and then they can do the World Cup, I guess. Is that the idea? I would have to think so. So that's what they got going on. Now for USA Cycling, they just, as in, like yesterday, announced the uh, cross-country mountain bike series. Now, I decided I'm going to call this the Norba series. I, somebody needs to get that name out of the mothballs. Now, I know only old people like me understand or even remember Norba, but there's something magical about that. It just brought it all. To, I mean, that was the series everybody in the 90s, even from Europe and all over the world, they'd come here just to race in the Norba series. Now, this year they're not calling it, what was it called, the Pro XCT and all that. They had a really, they keep changing the name of these things. I think it was called the Pro Cross Country Tour. That's what it was. Nobody called it that. I mean, that's, that's just goofy. So this year it's the Cross Country Mountain Bike National Series. That's even more words. How about Norba? I know Norba is trademarked and somebody probably owns it and it, nobody wants to use it. But I'm going to call it Norba from here on out. So like you see on legal documents, anywhere you hear me say Norba, I'm talking about 
2024 Mountain Bike Series for America. Now, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight races. That sounds cool. Is anybody going to actually travel to them all and try and win this? I, I can't imagine anybody gives a hoot. It's so sad. Uh, the Lifetime Grand Prix, which I could rant for an hour on that, has completely, in my opinion, taken all of the cross-country attention away. And many of the racers who would be focusing on doing this cross-country thing are doing the gravel. Uh, they call it off-road. It's not really mountain biking, even though they have a mountain bike race or two. But most of them are not real mountain bike races. They're more like dirt road races, which are cool. I've done a few of them myself. But that's not a mountain bike race in the traditional cross-country manner. So... Yeah, you California, then you go to Tennessee a day later. And that doesn't makes no sense. But you know, you got March twenty third, California, and then the next day it's in Tennessee. So I'm assuming they don't plan in anybody to actually do this. And then a week or two later and down to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Then you got a Louisiana. Now, May eighth through twelfth, that is kind of cool. They got your American Continental Championships. That's not national championships, that's the they used to call that the Pan Am Games. I guess they're not calling it that anymore. Uh, that's in Utah in May. And then you got your Inglewood Open May 17th and 18th. Now that's one that's up in Wisconsin. That's one that I will be going to because they do have regular uh, Wisconsin amateur races that I do. And then May 31st, my birthday, down to Virginia, over to Virginia, I, I should say. And then Missoula, Montana in June. So the whole thing is over. By June 8th, March to June, eight races. I'm assuming they're going to give an overall winner. I'm going to try and follow this as if it was an actual series that people are trying to win. I can't believe there's going to be many racers who are going to go to California on one day, all the way to Tennessee, then down to Arkansas, Louisiana, all the way out to Utah, Wisconsin. I mean, that's all over the, which is cool. It's all over the place. Gives everybody a chance. Kind of West Coast, Midwest, East. Uh, south that's awesome but as far as anybody treating it like a series like you know it used to be and go to all of them i can't believe there's going to be a lot uh, of people doing that so i'm going to try and kind of follow it and treat it as such and see who kind of rises to the top um, you know your u.s racers your christopher blevins uh, people like that i can't imagine or, you know if they hit one or two of these just because it's an off day uh, actually, there's none in Colorado. That's interesting. Seems like there should always be one in Colorado. You know, maybe if there's no World Cups in May, maybe they'll do the Continentals. I'm just rambling now. But anyway, that's that. Uh, so why they just released that now? I mean, March 23rd is, what, six weeks away? And they had no schedule? I don't know. Seems like that should have been out last year or first of the year. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I could talk about a few other things for racing. Got World Cup coming up, not till April, so there's nothing much to discuss for that. Kohavi is definitely returning to cross country racing. Now everybody knows back in the day that dude was a beast. He won he won many things. He used to be one of the few who could give uh old Nino a run for his money. He kinda aged out of the regular World Cup, but uh he's back, got a team, so that's kinda cool. Uh, all right, let's move on. 
and do some quick gear talk and uh, we'll go from there. Thanks. Changing gears. More new stuff we don't really need. Well, gear, 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 new bike parts. Here's my confession. I am going to buy, now I say this now in February, I'm going to try. I do not have a history of having great willpower in this department, I will admit. I'm going to try not to buy anything new this year, at least nothing significant, no new bikes. Boy, that's going to be rough because this is the year that I'm kind of ready to buy a new one. No new bikes, no new wheels. Again, I got a lead on some killer uh, cross-country race wheels. I'm going to try very hard to not do that. Uh, interesting thing, as, as I mentioned in the intro, went to a bike dealer show yesterday. There's three of them, the Midwest show in Chicago. Um, I was able to get into, and it was actually quite a bit larger with more uh, manufacturers, you know, big name and small name manufacturers than I expected. A lot more, actually. I kind of thought it would be all e-bikes, you know, Chinese companies pushing their e-bikes. And there was a huge, I'd say a quarter of the whole show was that. But they did kind of keep them isolated in, a, in their own section. I just walked right in through there. I didn't even look uh, at any of those. I'm not interested at this time in that stuff. But a few of the interesting booths, uh, TRP had a booth with their 12-speed mechanical uh, drivetrain, which, you know, it was released to the press, I believe, end of last year, December-ish. Uh, you saw, like, all the outlets all did their reviews at the same time. And I've had my eye on it because, A, it looks really nice. It's kind of, you know, that black and gold, copperish gold color that uh, Eagle came out with, which is actually interesting that they chose to mimic. It looks a lot like Eagle with a little more gold on it. But they did have a full set set up where you could play around with it. And they had all their brakes, of course, because they are known as a brake company. It is Tektro, which is, you know, the cheap, crappy... I shouldn't say crappy. That's not what I mean. The lower end stuff you see on a lot of bikes is Tektro. Um, mechanical V-brakes, uh, rim brakes, and discs. So the TRP has nothing new. They've been around for a very long time. This is their racing department. And the, I got to play around with the drivetrain and actually shift it. And they had a few really, really interesting features on there that I'll show you in the video. But I did see if I could get a, uh, you know, a sample to try. Because I, I, I've become more interested after six or seven months on this SRAM Axis uh, XX1 on my cross-country bike. I have, for some reason... Maybe it's nostalgia already setting in. Become interested in mechanical again. I put it back on my fat bike, as I said in the last uh, episode, and have gotten used to that uh, clicky, clicky sound again. Uh, and this one felt really good, I must admit. And it had a couple features that uh, it's better to see them on the video than to describe them. So that's cool. So um, that's something that caught my eye. The other thing that uh, came out couple weeks ago is Zip, uh, who owned, was owned by SRAM, of course, uh, has their high-top wheels that they're calling uh, cross-country, you know, they don't say cross-country race wheels, but it's their lightest mountain bike wheels, 
and the weights were were decent. I think they're on 13, 1400 grams, which is not super uber light, but they, you know, they're over they're over 2000 bucks a set. So to me that it, I'm just not interested in something like that. If I'm going to spend 2 grand and I have spent 2 grand on wheels, then they better be ridiculously light or something. They have to be uh, they have to be more than just a cool name or a cool look. Usually it's weight for me. If you're going to buy crazy expensive carbon wheels, uh, for somebody like me who never ever breaks wheels or spokes, um, I don't need, you know, flex. And they do have the cool tire whiz, um, you know, Bluetooth pressure sensor thingies. But you can buy those aftermarket and put them on your bike. Uh, but man, like two over two thousand bucks for a set. That was kind of shocking. So I just was wondering if we're going to start seeing a lot of the. Uh, SRAM sponsored cross country racers also now using their zip wheels because up to this point they're always have another wheel sponsor. Uh, I see no reason why they can't just say, Hey, you already got our forks and drivetrain and everything else. How about the wheels? So uh, we'll see what happens. While we're talking about wheels, uh, GMBN, the old GMBN channel, which honestly I haven't watched more than once or twice in the last couple of years because it's almost all enduro or kind of stuff that I'm not interested in. They have said they are officially uh, now using Hayes slash Reynolds uh, wheels, the official GMBN wheels, like that matters to anybody. But Hayes being a company just a few hours north of me up in Wisconsin, uh, you know, they make Manitou forks and and uh, all, those, all that kind of stuff. You know, they're, they're pretty Sun Ringlet. They've got quite a few brands, of course, their brakes. Uh, they are, so I, Hayes as a company seems to be trying to step it up in 2024. I'm assuming they're going to release the Manitou suspension cross-country stuff, finally, that they basically rode all last year. Seems like that's taking an awful long time. Maybe right before the Olympics or something. Uh, they'll release the Manitou uh, cross-country forks officially. Uh, so that's kind of interesting, kind of a strange uh, collaboration. I don't know. seems odd that they would want to be uh, seen as a wheel of GMBN. Maybe they got a deal on it. I don't know. Uh, what else? Let's talk about um, Leap. Anybody here know of Leap? components probably not they basically make 3d printed gizmos usually to adapt the sram access wireless system you know they make uh different ways to mount for example the little uh wireless blips they actually have a little mount where you can put two wireless blips little tiny buttons uh front of the grip and back of the grip for your thumb thumb and index for shifting and you mount two wireless blips in there clamps to your bars you know just like a normal clamp uh, you can almost not even see these things on there which is pretty cool the only downside is from word on the street is that the batteries which are meant to not be replaced you throw the whole blip away and it claims multiple year two year typical use well when you use them as your main shifters they're lasting for some people just a few weeks not years because you know they're they're like an alternative uh, 
shifting system, not your main shifter. So just when I got kind of excited, I thought it'd be kind of cool to try that and maybe because uh, it's not terribly expensive, I think I better just stick with what I have. Uh, Yeti, let's talk Yeti. Everybody loves Yeti. Well, I, I've never had one. Uh, I just remember back in the early days of, you know, mountain biking, Yetis were A, super expensive, and B, really cool. They looked cool. Uh, the team was cool. They were Colorado, you know, everything about them I liked. They had Fred the Welder making stuff for them. Or is that, or is that Chris Herting from uh, 3D Racing? I could be wrong. Anyway, they were cool. Um, they keep teasing a, a bike, at least they did a week ago on their Instagram. They kind of blacked out the frame, or actually blued out the frame so you couldn't see. And it was definitely not. So everybody on MTBR was trying to figure out what is that, you know, just by looking at the photos. It looked like a cross-country bike. It had like 2.4 at the worst uh, tires, thin tires, and the frame was thin, the tubes were thin wasn't really any room for a, a motor and I don't know we were all saying wouldn't that be cool if Yeti came out with an actual cross-country race bike like like Santa Cruz with the blur that was my example you know they kind of were gone for the cross-country world you didn't see much of them then they showed up with a team in Italy and in their team in the U.S. with Keegan and and the like and now to me the blurs are you know right at the forefront of modern cross-country bikes so be kind of cool to see a yeti cross-country bike uh, i have no idea if that's going to happen or not uh, but we'll see one last thing here uh, for the for the uh, gear section i've been obsessed for many years with uh, my little tiny seat bag that i rate i don't race with it generally although i might this year um I like the ability to shove a bunch of stuff in this tiny little bag. It's actually a road. It's the smallest road size seat bag I could find. It's kind of a flat, wide. It's not the, the kind that hang down. It tucks under the seat. But, you know, I realized last year I didn't have a chain-breaking tool of any kind. Uh, I didn't have enough tire levers. There was actually a few things I realized. I'd, I This ain't much of a seat bag if I only have a tube a couple CO2s in there and a really crappy mini mini tool that probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't be able to fix many you know so I thought you know what I'm gonna re rethink this so I contacted a company in Australia I found the main thing for me is a pump I still feel safer having a manual pump with me I've had issues the last couple of years with CO2s where I'd blast one by mistake the little head thing on there the little co2 heads i've got four or five of them and one or two of them seem to work very very reliable and the other ones i seem to have issues with and i end up blowing half a cartridge before i can get it uh, on the stem so when i go on really long rides i do throw a little mini pump in an extra frame uh, pack that i use but I don't like to use that frame pack all the time. So anyway, I've always been on the lookout for a very, 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 very small manual air pump. And so far, nothing has come across my view that would ever fit in a tiny seat bag. They're all just too long. Even the smallest ones are, are too long. 
So I find this one. It's by a company called BBB. They're in Australia, I believe, and it's a, called the Double Shot Pump, and it it's about the length of a CO2 cartridge, and it screws together to double in length. And I'm seeing if I can get one because that might actually fit. Now, this would all be wonderful, except at the show, CABDA show, Wednesday, uh, Prestacycle. Is anybody here familiar with Prestacycle? They have been around a very long time. Uh, to me, the Prestaflators, you know, the uh, inflators for the pumps and the uh, air compressors were kind of their thing. I mean, I'm assuming that's where the name came from, Prestaflate, I believe. Um, but they had things that blew my mind. I had no idea that company made such really quite amazing little tools and products that would be absolutely perfect for a cross-country seat pack, even for race day. Um, they're, they're, my favorite thing was a little pump. Uh, I am talking picture one 25-gram CO2 cartridge in length. And, and in diameter. That's it. That's the whole pump. Nothing else. The head on the pump is the same head you use for your CO2 cartridge. So if you threw this pump and one CO2 cartridge in there, you only need the one head on there. And you're good for a quick fix during a race or something more serious happens or even on a casual ride, you don't have to bust out an entire CO2 cartridge and waste it. Uh, I'm sure I'm not alone. I've been out riding 20 miles from home, and I kind of realized I forgot to top off my tires before I left. And they're, you know, a couple PSI down. That could be a real bummer. Uh, it just feels, to me, I, I hate the feel of slightly mushy tires, even if it's just a little bit off. So several times in the last couple of years, I would just waste a whole CO2 because I couldn't find any type of pump anywhere that worked, uh, like a public pump so uh that's just one of the things I mean, it's almost as if they're making these products for cross-country racers uh it'll be on the video that'll that's one that was one of my favorite booths of all of them believe it or not i would have never expected that uh so that's cool so let's let's wrap this up we're going to do a couple quick little tidbits and then we're actually done for now because the next time uh, you have a way to interact with short travel will be through video. I'm still going to do these podcasts. I'm probably going to do like a Rogan format where I record the podcast as a video. And therefore I can show things uh, visually and the people who only want to hear it can listen to the podcast all by itself. So we're going to try that. We'll see what happens. Or I may keep them completely separate. I'm not quite sure. We'll see what happens with this first batch of videos. All right, let's do some quick tidbits. Interesting tidbits. Curated just for you. All right, let's wrap this up with four interesting tidbits. I find them interesting. Now, have any, any of you seen the Cyclon Speed Brake Roller? Now, this is for a bike shop This is or a race team. This is not something... I would imagine the general public is going to buy and put in their garage. But it's a device that will, you know, you take a fresh rotor out of the package and throw it in this thing and it will bed the pads and rotors together um, without having to take the bike and ride it down the street full speed. 
most people I know don't probably even realize you're supposed to do that on a fresh set of pads and rotors. You're supposed to literally pedal, you know, fast, 20, 30 miles an hour. Okay, maybe not 30. As fast as you can and then wail on the brakes, come to a stop and do it 20 to 30 times is what I believe uh, Magura and a few of the big brake companies recommend. That's a lot. So you're supposed to do that to, you know, kind of get the, the pads and the rotors uh, meshing well together. Get some of the uh, surface kind of roughed up. So this machine, you throw it on there, boom, hit a button. It does all that for you, and you're done. Kind of cool. Uh, of course, it costs hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. But uh, it made me think of that because at the cab to show, TRP has a $500 uh, brake bleeding machine. It's not very small. It's maybe a foot square all metal and it's got the hoses on there and you basically take a bike pop these hoses anything that takes mineral oil will work so shimano trp i think he said a few other brands i can't remember uh haze maybe i don't know and you just put the hoses on the bleed ports and this thing will pump and cycle uh the fluid right through your brake lines and you're done Let's say you have, you know, a two-year-old, uh, three-year-old brake installation that you've never uh, changed the fluid. Now, I've never had a problem. I've left my fluid in my brake lines for five, six years. Only changed it just because I thought I would. For no, I, di I didn't notice any difference. But, you know, there are people who are much more hardcore than me who would want to do that. Certainly at a shop, which is what this tool was made for. You would just put it on there. It will flush out, push out all the old oil. It has a little canister in the back where the old uh, fluid goes. And it not only fills the entire caliper and lever and brake lines with fresh fluid, but it pushes all the air out automatically. You pop them off, put the caps on, and you are done. Very cool. Uh, I, it's one of those things that I guess if money was no object and you had a whole bunch of bikes... You know, it would be kind of the ultimate uh, device to have. But, you know, 498 bucks that's dealer cost. Uh, that That's not going to happen. But I did find that neat that there are tools that specialized um, for doing these things. Uh, Orange Seal, my number one sealant for tubeless tires, although I must admit I have been dabbling with the other uh, Silka makes a sealant and I put it in a few of my wheels now and I didn't get to ride it's been winter I put it in my, a pair of fat bike wheels and that's all I've had a chance to use it's worked fine but I honestly can't say it's any better yet I don't know I like orange seal I've what's it's the only fluid I've ever used and they are now the official sealant of the whole epic rides series now that's a big series of mountain bike races some pretty brutal races so that's kind of cool I, I i got a soft spot for orange seal you know everybody knows stands got nothing wrong with stands every a lot of people use it i just have never used it and i always kind of like the underdog so to think that orange seal could come up in a market where stands already kind of ruled i mean they were number one i just was kind of rooting for them they they instantly sponsored uh, cross country and mountain biking teams themselves they didn't just you know throw a logo on a jersey they actually had their own teams they still do 
so that's cool. I like that. Uh, let's talk about Van Rysel, right? Road. It's a road brand. And the only reason I'm bringing this up, um, because what they did, I believe, I'm going to sound like a fool if I'm wrong. I think that's owned, like that's one of the decathlon brands, not decathlon, decathlon. I don't know. Uh, basically the rock rider, you know, the team, uh, where they're, you know, their stores and their retail stores, sporting goods, and they're kind of, you know, big in the cycling world now, but, um, they have their own team and they have their own world tour pro bikes, but they admitted that they bought one or more of all 18 different bikes that are used in last year's world tour. And I think about how much those bikes cost. Those are what, 10 to 20,000 each, I'm guessing 10 on the extreme low end retail. Most of them are 15. So they bought 18 of them and measured and tested and used those as a starting point to build their own bike, claiming that their own bike is superior in many ways and at least equal. Uh, think about that for a minute. That is, I wonder if, I highly doubt Specialized is buying, you know, a bunch of different mountain bikes and looking at them and, no. I guess it only makes sense if you're a startup of some kind. But think of what you could learn if you had, let's say, every, let's say 15 different frames or bikes that are in the World Cup mountain bike cross-country race right now. I mean, the Rock Riders, Specialized, Cannondale, um, you know, Orbea, all of them. Imagine you had them all and you were an engineer and you could study them and take them apart, maybe even chop them up, look how they're made, and then design a frame to equal or better that. To me, that's kind of a cool way to make a quick entrance on the bike world and claim that your bikes are every bit as good as everybody else's. So that's kind of interesting. I thought that was cool. Lastly, uh, Zwift is supposedly, and this is not hard to believe, they are planning on testing Vision Pro, Apple's new uh, goggle things uh, to be used with Zwift. Now imagine this is nothing new. They they tried this several years ago. They had a prototype using the Oculus something or other where you'd wear the goggles while you were riding on your trainer. And instead of you being looking at yourself as a little icon on a screen four feet away, you were in Zwift. You were in Watopia and you could look to your right and left and you'd see the world. I mean, it sounds amazing, of course. But the first thing they said is that they never pursued it because... Of, they're very warm and heavy, and if you start sweating, uh, it was kind of gross to have this thing smashed up against your sweaty head while you're trying to train. And I can't believe that the uh, Vision Pro would be any better. If anything, it's worse. It's got a huge, like a seal around your face. So, I don't know. They said they are, they've already got one and they are testing it, but the first thing I thought of is motion sickness. I actually am one of those people who, I don't know if it's an age thing or just the way I'm wired, but I cannot handle those um, rides at like a Disney World or Universal Studios. Or In my case, the last time I went on one was in Las Vegas at the Luxor. Is that even still a casino out there? Uh, they had this deal where you could go in and sit in a chair and the 
the chair basically moved around and there was a huge screen like a few feet from your head and it really felt like you were flying through you know through the air through a cave and then you'd hit bumps and your seat would move i mean it was completely immersive but by the time that thing was over uh, i was completely trashed i actually remember laying down on the floor in the gift shop on the way out for at least a half an hour while my uh, not then wife, girlfriend, walked around the gift shop waiting for me. She's perfectly fine. She thought it was cool. It happened again at Disney World. There was a ride very similar to that about seven years ago. And I just opted out. It took them three, almost three hours to get through the line and go. And I just sat in the waiting area and took a nap. So I can't imagine strapping something like that on my face where you're in the world and things look like they're moving. I don't know. It's I just don't think it's going to work quite as well as you would think. The human head and vision is very strange. Uh, I mean, for example, I remember when Zwift came out. It never came out as an official thing. They have a mountain bike uh, trail, an actual like a cross country trail in the Zwift world. I can't remember the name now. Something, I don't know, Repack Ridge or something like that. And using my kicker climb, which raises the front end of the bike as the incline, virtual incline happens, uh, it was one of the most realistic three or four minutes I've ever had indoors combination of Zwift and the left and right turns and my bike going up and down I actually got motion sickness uh, about halfway through not serious to where I had to lay down but I felt it coming on and I was just looking at a TV screen three four feet away it's not like I was isolated in a you know with glasses or in a dark it, it still freaked out my equilibrium a little bit so I can't imagine what it's going to uh, do, uh, maybe I'm wrong, maybe because it's so close to your eyes, none of that is an issue, but that kind of is the ultimate to be able to actually feel with the wind blowing on your face, uh, feel like you're riding in another world. That could be truly mind-blowing. So five years from now, we'll probably be talking about, you remember when you used to just stare at a screen and pretend like you were riding a bike? In your basement uh, or we could still be doing the exact same thing and none of this ever panned out and with that I am done uh, check next week uh, we'll have a video up and that's when the fun really begins I've got a lot of good stuff coming uh, interviews and all kinds of stuff I'm kind of excited about it so thanks for listening and I will see you soon Thank you ever so much for listening to Short Travel Magazine. 